Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another new episode of the Eurotrip podcast in what is a very busy week for both me and Rob and as it always will be until May, another very busy week in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. And Rob, for this weekend, I've got a very important question for you. How many televisions do you have? Problematically, only the one. And, and get this, this takes the biscuit, doesn't it? My girlfriend has organised plans for Saturday night. How distressing is that? Again, didn't you have plans last Saturday? I did, but thanks to a delayed dinner party in a main course that took longer than expected, I did manage to see all the songs in Melody Festival. And, uh, but yes, indeed, I did have plans this Saturday too. Uh, but uh, this forthcoming weekend could be problematic. How many TV screens do you have as I try to desperately deflect the attention from me? I only have two. So I'm in no real better position than you are, really, to watch the 1700 national finals that are taking place on Saturday. Yeah, there are loads taking place all across Europe. And also, if you are a television scheduler listening to the podcast, which I appreciate is unlikely, can we put the shows on a bit earlier? Have you seen what time they're starting in Spain on Saturday? 10pm. What are they doing for the rest of the day? Couldn't they do it at 2pm instead? Spread them all out? Probably having a little sleep, aren't they? They'll have a sleep. That's what I'll need after a Saturday night. But, of course, before we get to Saturday... We're here to get you in the mood. It's time for another episode of the Euro Trip. Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and a very warm welcome. I know the only one show in the world that combines it all. Singing, music, dancing, traditional and ethnic styles. It's massive. It's twice the Super Bowl. It's like 200 million people. When we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. Now let's get to it. Are you ready to party Europe? It is easy what I say. What I say. This is the Euro Trip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And I can't believe I'm saying this, Kano. That's right, everybody's favourite Norwegian trio join us on the podcast this week. They are our big guests. It was a delight to talk to them a little bit earlier on in the week. Honestly, I don't think I've had a better afternoon. Tom, Alexandra and Fred are just the most likeable human beings and we had an absolute blast. I hope you enjoy the interview because I certainly did enjoy doing it, including this fun anecdote about what they were doing when they got their televote points in Tel Aviv. We were quite drunk. Yeah, we were quite drunk as because, well. Because after, <laughs> there, because there was a, uh, yeah, they poured a lot of wine and everything and, the, and then we didn't get any, any points from the juries. And then suddenly we had an interview with a with a Israeli uh, t- like TV station and then they like, 
poured us like two big vodka shots, and then uh, like, and then suddenly they're like, oh, you have to go up, we're like, yeah, you're soon, you're soon, and then it all happened. Yeah. So we were like, yeah, and we were just so happy. That is one of my favorite ever interviews, Rob, that you've ever done. I can't wait to hear that just once more info because then them three are an absolute delight. But we've got loads more to get jam-packed into this week's episode. We'll, of course, be rounding up all the latest news that's been happening in the last seven days. And we're going to be speaking to another national finalist as well, hoping to represent their country. I had the pleasure of speaking to Oscar. He's from Finland, and he's one of the hopefuls there trying to represent Finland at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And also, I've been doing a little bit of journalism, because you may have seen that Duncan Lawrence's Arcade is back in the charts. It's back in the top 40 in the United Kingdom. It's also charting across Europe as well. And it's all thanks to the power of TikTok. So all that and more to come, you're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. That's right, episode 29 of the Eurotrip podcast. It is wonderful to be with you, as we always are, every single Wednesday between now and Rotterdam and beyond. We already mentioned it at the start of the podcast. A very, very, very busy week this week, and we will get to the latest news shortly. However, we are still trying to keep up with all of your messages from what was quite the interview on last week's podcast, because James, you were joined by the people's champion. It can only be one man. Rob Lilly joined me yet again for another episode of the Eurotrip podcast. And on that podcast, I spoke to Dan <laughs> Sampson. <laughs> Oh, what an interview that was. It, it, it will, for, for a long time, go down. It's probably one of my favourite ever interviews I've done. And it seemed to resonate with you guys at home as well, because he had a story or two to say about absolutely anything. I could have asked him about what he had for his tea last night, and he'd give it a bit of an exclusive story. Uh, but we had loads of tweets from you guys. Stuart got in touch on Twitter. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. He said, just listen to this week's episode and enjoyed the interview with Daz Sampson. Hugh also got in touch as well and said really enjoyed this candid interview with Daz. Uh, great to hear the passion for Eurovision he has. And also Jamie, one of our longtime listeners, also got in touch to say great episode as always, guys. Crazy to hear that Daz Samson wrote so many songs we know and love and we never knew about them. Yeah, that was the thing that really sort of took me back from the interview. One of the many things, obviously, is that he's been writing hit songs under a pseudonym pretty much ever since he did Eurovision in 2006. All of these songs that have been charting across the world, and you'd never even know it was him. Uh, some of your other tweets as well. Sophie got in touch at ESC Sophie, another long-time listener. She said, this is an unbelievable interview. Whatever you think of him or his music, God, he loves and is very passionate about Eurovision. He definitely is. Uh, Heather said, I started off the Daz interview doing something else, but after the first five minutes, just sat down and listened to the whole thing. I'm never going to make a snarky remark about him returning to the contest again. I promise. And also Chris, who is one of our newer listeners, he said the interview about Goa's song was very interesting on the podcast last week. Uh, so we heard from uh, Yuroslav Lodigin, who is one of the Ukrainian jurors, about Goa selecting their song for Rotterdam. And uh, yeah, we found out all sorts about the Ukrainian Eurovision selection, which was very, very interesting. It certainly was. So, uh, as always, if you've got anything to say about any of the episodes we do, don't forget you can get in touch with us on Twitter or on Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. Or if you want to, you can send an email to us to our brand new email address, hello at EurotripPodcast.com. That's right. We have finally arrived in 2002, everybody. So <laughs> that is very, very exciting. Uh, that email address again, if you want to, uh, mainly just to check that the inbox is working. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com. However, We've said how busy it is. We've said how much is going on. It's time to put on our news hats, everybody. Well, Rob, I don't know about you, but my news hat is well and truly on. Mine is covering my eyes slightly, but I will get it resized in time for May. <laughs> it, does that mean I can get on with this week's news? I think it does. There is plenty for you to get through, so uh, I don't want to hold you up any longer. Thanks. Deep breath. Here we go. On Saturday night, we got our sixth song for Eurovision 2021 as Croatia hosted Dora, their national final. Uh, after 14 performances, it was Albina who won both the jury and the televote with her song Tick Tock. Let's take a listen to that. Tick-tock. 
Rob, what are your first thoughts on that song? Which is better, Ukraine's TikTok from 2014 or Croatia's TikTok from 2021? I'm a big fan of Ukraine's TikTok from 2014, so I'm going to sit on the fence for a little longer. I'm a big fan of Croatia's TikTok from 2021, so between us, we're impartial. (laughs) Indeed, there we go. Uh, On Tuesday this week, the Czech Republic became the seventh country to unveil their song. They're being represented by Benny Cristo and his song Omaga. Uh, Vasil from North Macedonia has revealed that his song will be called Here I Stand, while Natalia Gordienko's song for Moldova will be called Sugar. Both are set to be revealed in March. The second semi-final of Melfest took place on Saturday. You can find out all about it on this week's episode of Melfest Monday. The fifth semi-final and second chance round of Melody Grand Prix have also taken place this week, which means we finally have 12 acts selected to take part in the Norwegian national final this coming Saturday. Victoria has revealed the six songs in the running to be her song for Eurovision 2021 and she will use online feedback from fans to choose the strongest entry. Uh, after last week's release of the two songs in the running to be Blas Canto's song for Spain, it has been announced that the national final where the winning song will be chosen will take place this coming Saturday. And last week we celebrated 100 days until the grand final of Eurovision 2021 and speaking at an event in Rotterdam, Eurovision's executive producer, Sietzi Baka, announced changes to the venue, with the artist Green Room taking the place of the standing area in the Ahoy Arena. Somebody get that man a glass of water. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very well done. However, not to be one to criticise, but you have missed something out. I always seem to miss something, don't I? Yeah, funny that, isn't it? Mm. Do you want me to fill you in? Go on, then. Now. We are going back a couple of years uh, to Duncan Lawrence and his winning song, Arcade, from Eurovision 2019. Uh, By the way, how terrifying is it that we say, let's go back a couple of years to talk about Duncan Lawrence winning Eurovision? 2019 actually seems like seven years in the future, really, doesn't it, when you think about it? Not two years ago, it's a bit bizarre. Different times, different times. Anyway, yeah, of course, Duncan won Eurovision 2019 with his song, Arcade. That is not news, of course. What is, however, is that the song is charting once again all across the world. I've seen already it's in America's top 100. It's also in the official chart in the United Kingdom, which is special because it didn't actually make it into the official chart when he won Eurovision back in 2019, in May 2019. So why is this happening, I hear you ask? Well, it is all down to one social media And to get more, I was delighted to speak to BBC Radio 1 here in the UK's music reporter, Steve Holden, to find out more. TikTok is now obviously a massive influence on the charts um, ever since it started being included in the streams and the video views and stuff. And it's amazing that a short snippet can create these monster hits. And I think with Arcade, it started maybe October time when people were using it um, for some Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy challenge. Um, But as always with TikTok, people hear the hook, start doing their own videos. There's makeup stuff on there. There's drag transformations. There's food videos using Arcade. Then it got a remix with an American singer called Fletcher. And yeah, it's been climbing steadily. And last week made it in at number 39. So the first time it's been in the UK top 40. So it's really nice and it feels like a nice ramp up to Eurovision this year because we didn't have a winner last year. So it feels like everything is kind of fitting into place quite nicely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Do you you think that TikTok, for example, as we're talking about now, will play a role in normalising the fact of people in the UK liking Eurovision songs? Because we were just talking before we recorded and there is still, for large parts of the general public, kind of a, 
you know, they kind of shun the contest because it's not cool and the songs aren't very good. But as me and you have said, and most of our listeners think, that's not true anymore. When we went and interviewed Duncan Lawrence in 2019, we first interviewed him in Amsterdam at the Amsterdam Eurovision party. And he was really excited to talk to Radio One. And he was saying, it's an amazing opportunity. Why would you not want to perform in front of 200 million people? And I think the story goes with him is that he had, he was on The Voice, wasn't he? And he was coached from the singer from the Common Linnets. And she found Arcade in one of his Dropboxes, Dropbox folders, and was like, this is an amazing song and put it forward to the Dutch broadcaster to, to be entered for Eurovision. And he was like, it's my first single. Like when, when else am I gonna get 200 million people all in one go? I mean, it's a great song. There's a reason why it won. Maybe it wasn't a hit first time around because of Eurovision, because of the stigma, maybe. And also because TikTok wasn't as prevalent two years ago. But I think as we saw last year with Iceland, and think about things that I would say is the very first Eurovision TikTok hit. Do you, do you think, as as you mentioned at the at the top, you are of course BBC Radio One in the UK's music reporter, so you are best placed, I would argue, to to say whether or not it's it's <laughs> a mistake if songs try and aim for the TikTok thing rather than the TikTok thing naturally happening. If you know countries um, who are planning their entries for 2021, I think there's a bit of both. I remember interviewing a guy unrelated to Eurovision, this guy called Sam Fisher, and he had a song out last year called um, This City. He's an Australian singer. He's written for Jennifer Hudson, Demi Lovato, and This City was one of the biggest songs of last year, and it came out of a TikTok trend. And he said, the most common question is, how do I replicate? How do I get a TikTok hit? And he says, you can't, you can't, you have to let things be natural. I think if you are a Eurovision artist, you can create a TikTok presence for sure. And you can create a dance or whatever. At the end of the day, 200 million people are gonna see your song on the night. They're not gonna see your like TikTok first. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like, I think you still have to have a great full song to win Eurovision, but having a hook, Having an instrumental bit in your song, something catchy, is only going to help if you get a bit of momentum. But I don't think there's a, like a magical recipe for this will be brilliant on TikTok. I, I think our listeners will be delighted to hear that uh, BBC Radio One's music reporter is such a big Eurovision <laughs> fan. So, Steve, tell us about your history with the contest. How many have you been to? Um, I've been to five. I've been to two as a fan, and I've been very luckily to three for work. Um, I mean, it was a bucket list moment. My first one for work was Stockholm in 2016. And it, like, it was incredible just seeing how it operated, how slick it is. I remember being in Stockholm and having a list of people that I wanted to talk to, contestants I wanted to talk to, and essentially running around Stockholm because as lots of people who've been to Eurovision will know, the entrants are based at all different hotels everywhere. And you're like, okay, so for three o'clock, I've got to go and meet Netherlands. And at four o'clock, I've got to go and meet um, whoever else, like Cyprus, whatever. Um, and I just was in like a kid in a candy shop. But what I wanted to do that first year is try to prove to a Radio 1 audience just how big a deal it was. Yes, you can have fun with Eurovision. I'm not po-faced po about it. Yes, it is a bit cheesy. And yes, there are camp elements. That's what makes it, at the end of the day, it's the world's largest music event. It has a massive demographic. It has a massive fan base in the UK. And I and my colleague, Daniel, who, you know, we've covered a couple of Eurovisions together. We've been trying to, to get over this stigma of Eurovision is Buck's fears, isn't it? It's like, no, come on, that was 1981, that's older than me. You know, it's not, it's not about that anymore at all. And people are still surprised that it isn't, you know? Um, hopefully I've converted some people along the way. Steve, I'm gonna finish by asking, and the answer presumably will be no. You are yeah. at BBC HQ every single, yes. every single day. Have you heard anything? Yeah. I might have, or I might, I might not have, I don't know. When does this go out? 
This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So, I wonder when we will hear stuff from the BBC about the United Kingdom's participation in Eurovision 2021. But now, let's turn our attentions to this coming weekend in what is, we've already mentioned it, a very busy Super Saturday. There's so many national finals going on, but we're going to focus on one of them right now as we speak to one hopeful who is trying to represent their country at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we're speaking to this guy. Hi, this is Oscar. I'm competing in UMK with the song called Lie, and you're listening to Eurotrip. That's right, his name is Oscar and he is participating in UMK, the Finnish selection process for the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, Now, Oscar is a relatively unknown artist. He has spent some time in rock and pop bands in his native Finland, Uh, but this is the start of his very own solo career and what a way to go about it. But I started off by asking him about just how big Eurovision is in his native Finland. Eurovision is like a huge deal in Finland. So I think almost everyone, even though they say something else, everyone watches it or knows something about it that who's competing this year. And yeah, when Lordi won, I remember it being like an absurd thing, but still we were all just super proud of them. So let's get to 2021 and your bid to represent Finland this year. Uh, the submissions window for uh, for the songs to take part in UMK was back in September. Give us an idea of when you start to think, OK, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, well, uh, in the spring of 2020, we, we discussed about how we should launch this, this solo career thing. And... Uh, I had a bunch of songs ready, and then we had this one song, this lie, which was, uh, we wrote this back in November 2019. And then we just thought that now this window is open, we should absolutely just like, you know, put the song there and see how it goes. And then they then they said, welcome. And uh, I was surprised, and uh, that, was, that was a big thing. You asked me how I'm feeling. Let's take it back to 2019 then, when you wrote this song, because clearly at the time when you wrote the song, you didn't, I guess you didn't think you would ever take it to, to Eurovision. So what was the what was the influence behind the song? Well, uh, we wrote this uh, at a songwriting camp in Finland. There were a uh, few guys from from US and a few guys from Britain and uh and there was me, Jonas, and David, and we wrote this song. We we were like a team for the day, and we we've never met each other before, actually, only on the camp, just like. But yeah, I, I don't know if we had any like like influences. It was just like it was the moment, and then we had this great grand piano in the room, and uh, it's not every day that you get to play that kind of like big beautiful instruments it's mostly you know computer nowadays so so yeah i don't i don't still know what happened on that day it was it was a magical day and still to this day almost everything in the song sure there is some like post production there but almost everything there including the vocal tracks are like from that day it's like very genuine now let's fast forward to uh, September again, where this submissions window opened and you submitted this song. What was it like when you'd submitted it? Were you thinking, yeah, of course I'm going to get chosen? Or did you think, I haven't really got a chance? What were your initial thoughts when, you, when you'd submitted the song? Well, I, I really like this song. <laughs> I like, still do, even though I've heard it like 10,000 times for now. But yeah, when we when we submitted it, I, I think that it might have like a good chance, but I still didn't get my hopes up. I just like, I thought that, yeah, let's do this. Absolutely. Now that the window's open, but 
So like I was just waiting modestly if something happens, but I don't know. Yeah, it was still like a big, big surprise when they when they called me in. And when did they give you that call? Because we found out in January of 2021. Did they tell you before Christmas? Was this an early Christmas present to you that you found out or when was it? Yeah, it was actually in, I think, in October. And then they said that we we can't say anything to anyone, that this has to be secret until January. So, yeah, it was, I, I feel like apologizing all my closest friends that I'm sorry that I've been lying the whole <laughs> year. But, yeah. Oh, come on. I bet you told somebody. Did you tell somebody very quietly? Did you say, oh, by the way, I've got a place? <laughs> sure, yeah. I told my family and my girlfriend, for sure. But, yeah, but really, just not, not like to many people. It was just very closest. And what does it mean now that you've been chosen to take part? You've already mentioned to us how big Eurovision is in Finland. What does it mean to be to be given this chance to potentially represent your country? Well, first of all, it's it's amazing just to be part of this and this whole group is just like there's seven great acts and I'm just thrilled to be part of that. But yeah, yeah, sure. It's 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 a big thing to be part of like the seven finalists in Finland that who gets to be the one. And I, I've seen that it really raises like opinions that I've not experienced before that everyone in Finland seems to have some kind of opinion about the songs that they either love them or hate them like from their heart. And it's, but it's been like, it's been different, but it's been fun. Uh, what would it mean then if the Finnish public and the juries selected you as the winner and you got to represent your country at Eurovision itself? I mean, taking part in UMK is one thing, but to go to Eurovision, I mean, that's something else, right? Yes. Well, yeah, it would be it would be an honor to like represent Finland, but it's still like so absurd thing that I can't I can't think about it yet. I have to do like step by step. This is like a huge deal for me right now. But if that would happen, it would be something else. But I think like you can get like used to any kind of weird situations that you get into. So that's going to be definitely definitely just one of those. <laughs> this is the Euro Trip. So thank you very much to Oscar from UMK for joining us on the podcast. Good luck to him and all of the other participants attempting to represent Finland in Eurovision 2021. Very, very high quality final in UMK this Saturday. So looking forward to seeing that. Plenty of other selections and national finals going on this Saturday, as we've already mentioned. In Spain, Blas Canto will have his song selected for him. The Spanish public get to decide between two. Why is it starting at 10pm European time, James? Is it because they like to eat their dinner late in Spain? Is that what it is? It's got to be. Or they're showing something else of higher importance on Spanish television at that time. What, like Spanish casualty or something? <laughs> what do they call that in uh, in Spain? I, uh, El Accidente? Which, what does that translate? I mean, it doesn't translate as anything because that was terrible Spanish. But if it did, what would it be? The accident. The accident. It sounds like a very uh, Nordic noir TV show, doesn't it? The accident. Maybe we can pitch it to NRK once Melody Grand Prix is finished. They'll be, they'll be looking for something. There'll be an empty slot in their Saturday night schedule. Talking a witch. There's always a link. It is time for our big interview this week with one of the acts taking part in Melody Grand Prix on Saturday. And we are delighted to be speaking to these guys. Hi, we're Kano. And you're listening to the Eurotrip. That's right. We mentioned it at the top of the show. I have been fortunate enough to catch up with Tom, Alexandra and Fred from Kano. Now, they, of course, stole Europe's hearts when they won the Televote in Eurovision 2019 with their song Spirit in the Sky. And we were all taken aback when it was announced that they would be back in Norway's national selection show this year. And that's how I started the interview. I asked why now for their attempt to return to Eurovision. I mean, we love everything about Eurovision. So we kind of knew immediately in 2019 that we wanted to go back, uh, but that it all depended on the song. So it was after Monument was created that we felt like that was the right song to return to. 
Yeah, I think we, we, we got a bit extra time uh, on our hands uh, when uh, all the tours were canceled due to the pandemic. So uh, we started writing songs and uh, when we first met up, met up after being apart for, for quite some months because we were stuck in different places. Then we had like this uh, burst of uh, creativity <laughs> and write, uh, wrote a lot of songs and then one of them was like, okay, this can really be the song. Do you think it's safe to say that if the pandemic hadn't happened, we would never have got Monument? Yeah. Probably. I, I, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like a small, a tiny, a tiny possibility of all these negatives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was it like spending some time apart as the pandemic forced you guys to, of course, because, you know, from, from 2018 onwards, you've been spending so much time together pretty much constantly, I assume. To be honest, for me, it was horrible. I mean, I missed you guys so much and it kind of made me realize what do I need to be happy? And it is to travel with my best friends, having concerts, meeting new people all the time. And to be like stuck in my apartment was like, yeah. So it's great seeing you guys again. That's probably why the creativity was like on point on that, in that cabin. <laughs> Now, moving forward, of course, to where you guys are at now, I want to go back to, to 2018, I think it was, when, when Kano came to be, and we're all so grateful that it, that, it, that it did happen. Can you just talk us through about how you guys came together? It was, uh, I think it was after, uh, we weren't, me and uh, my husband, Alex, we were in, in Portugal uh, during uh, Eurovision. And uh, that was just after I've been... Uh, I'd been in the Norwegian finals and didn't make it to Eurovision then. Uh, but that was when I met Alexandra and I, and I was so uh, amazed by her voice and also her prof professionality. So I was uh, like, I thought like after you, uh, Melody Gabriel, I thought, hmm, it would be really cool to, uh, to do something with Alexandra. And uh, when in, during Eurovision, I was like, okay, if we're going to do this once again, like, go down there make like kind of like figure out how to make a eurovision hit <laughs> and i think like we spent some time uh, me and alex uh, down there like discussing a bit and then uh it had been a dream for me quite a while to uh to work with uh with a sami um songwriter and artist but then like never kind of found the right project or the right time and then um so i got uh, some I talked to a lot of friends I have that uh, that do yoik and um, work with other Sami artists, and they actually mentioned Fred as a Sami rapper because at that <laughs> we were we moved away from the yoik to the rap part. Though okay, like let's do a pop song with rap. So I I uh, got in touch with Fred, sent him an, uh, a message on Messenger asking if he would like to uh, win Eurovision. And then I got a reply with a, like an angry face emoji. And then he then replied a few hours later. And it was like, that was by mistake. Yeah, Fred, did you have to think about it for a while? <laughs> I had to think about it to win your vision, yeah. <laughs> no I, I way. Didn't, I didn't want to. Yeah, but I came home and I read the message. I was out uh, jogging and, uh, when he wrote to me. And I answered him later that night. And, yeah, and then and then we started collaborating online, like sending things back and forth, and we talked about it. And I knew all from the start that I really wanted uh, Alessandra in this project, but she didn't know yet. No. <laughs> so uh, so we finished because I, I didn't want to send her anything that wasn't because like to the le like some kind of level that she would understand what we have thought here because. <laughs> We didn't know each other well, and suddenly a Sami guy and a, a bit older gentleman from uh, Christmas said, like, hey, do you want to be in a band with us? Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, we have to show that this is something real. <laughs> but I said yes. Yeah, <laughs> luckily yeah. you said yeah. <laughs> Do you guys remember, Tom, Tom and Alexandra, do you guys remember meeting in, in the Melody Grand Prix in, in 2018? We didn't talk at all. She was so focused all the time, <laughs> and that was really good. But I remember you, like she, you, she was really in the in the bubble all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really liked your song that year, so I knew Thank who you, you were. Yeah. <laughs> I really liked your performance yeah. as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you guys remember back to the first time that you were all in a room together and you were able to hear your sound together, and you thought, you know what, this could work? 
I remember that moment. Uh, I remember us meeting up for lunch first. Like we started chatting. It was a bit difficult to know, like, know what we're going to talk about. Like, okay, who, what are we doing? Let's get to know each other. But point when we uh, took step into the studio, everything changed. I felt that like, this is where I belong. And it was like this immediate connection. Like mm. we could communicate so well just after like a few hours of knowing each other. And just like the vibe was good. And since then, like, everything's been great yeah yeah it was something it was, special but it was kind of like it was a weird moment as well it was almost like this was a like a planned wedding and, uh, <laughs> and then it was like yeah. now the uh, the bride and the groom are meeting for the first time to this lunch and now we're going to do the thing yeah. because we had this like we've been, we've been working uh, like of course writing and, and working together uh, like online but we had never met together or, or and we had to uh, we already got the place in Melody Grand Prix and we had to send in the finished mix in four days so we know that okay we are going to be together on stage in January and now we're meeting for the first time three weeks before or like four weeks before so it was, it was really, uh, uh, and it just had to work because, but we didn't know. It no. so. you, you guys have had so many shared experiences, but I really want to know if you do remember what you had for lunch that day you met up. We had we, Thai. Yeah, yeah. Thai. Mm. Was it you that ordered a very, very spicy one? Yes, yeah. we had spicy, <laughs> red curry. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that you were like, yeah, I want your spicy. Yeah. Like, and then you- You, you just, were sweating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were talking about the the collaborations you were doing online before of course you did meet up in in the Thai restaurant as you've just mentioned there was spirit in the sky one of the things that you were collaborating on or, or tom did you bring that to the rest of the guys yeah that was spirit in the sky yeah we'd uh i'd made a like a, a sketch uh without the yoik parts and then uh, fred added the yoik and the and the and the rap that suddenly that but that the rap was uh taken away in the song uh, at, at, on a later point because we felt it was a bit too much at that point. <laughs> uh, and uh, so the epic yoik uh, in the in the mid eight wasn't that wasn't created before we were in studio actually yeah, after after it, yeah. the after the, uh, the the spicy tie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually did do something the spicy curry. Yeah, maybe that, that, curry. that was the first time I had ever yoiked on a song. It was Spirit in Sky. So it was a uh... It was very, uh, it was a great moment when I could do that. Reflecting on 2019 and the time that you guys had together and the memories that you must have been able to make i mean how do you look back on on 2019 of course you you won the telly vote which is incredible in the first instance you just got to represent norway forget about everything that later later happened in tel aviv can you remember the moment you realized actually you know we're gonna be doing this together and and we are representing norway on the international stage it was just pure happiness and we were so happy that we had gotten the honor of representing our country uh, in Eurovision and we were ready, our ba bags were already packed, ready to just like go to Europe and promote our song. Yeah, but I think it, there, there's a very good picture taken uh, like at the moment that we, we got the result in the Norwegian <laughs> finals where you can see there's so much uh, like release and like I'm like where you're jumping yeah yeah, yeah. and me too were yeah. like, and you're crying yeah. and i'm just like so like yeah, yeah finally after this kind of everybody had we've had our struggles and then suddenly you know uh, when joining forces we kind of over overcome everything so yeah. it was it was a really good moment <laughs> moment Fred, what was the reaction like in the in the sami community once you realized that you know you were going to get yoiking in Eurovision. Yeah, they were all talking about it and the newspapers were writing about it. And yeah, it was just a pure happiness in Sutton. And then we get to Tel Aviv and everything that happened, happened. Can you remember your first steps onto the stage in the first rehearsal? Because that seems to be the moment that artists who have done Eurovision, you know, they almost have their breath taken away from them because it is so astounding, the scale of everything. I, <clears throat> I actually don't have two good memories about uh, stepping on the stage for the first time because there was something there was 
something wrong with uh, uh, like the the backdrop with yeah, the wrong file right. and yeah. uh, the technique like there were so many technical issues mm -hmm. just up, up until the the finals uh, it was every day something new that went That's wrong right. yeah and we really didn't feel that we delivered at all at the first rehearsal mm -hmm. and you, when you and when we then talked to to the journalists that had been following us uh, through they could see like oh a great rehearsal and so you know that no it wasn't no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah but it was like i think it was the first time when we had uh, audience in the in the arena that was mm. an amazing feeling even mm. though it, it, like there was a lot of uh, like the rehearsals with audience yeah i just like get the feedback from the, and then we felt okay this is something mm. very very big we're mm. part of two final questions about 2019 before we look at ahead uh, to monument and, and what's to come this weekend which is all very very exciting can you remember the moment in the green room when the televote points come through on the Saturday night, because I don't think I've ever seen the Eurovision community so delighted when they realized, actually, this song that we love, everyone else loves it too. And, and you guys were, were at the top of the televote on the Saturday. Yeah, it was crazy. That moment was just like, it was like, a, yeah, just happiness. I mean, it's, yeah, I was crying. <laughs> Next up is Norway. Okay. Norway, are you ready? Because you got 291 points! And now you're, of course, in first place, Norway. Congratulations, you're in the lead. And we were quite drunk. Yeah, we were quite drunk as because, well. Because after, <laughs> there, because there was a... a they shot yeah the, they poured the, a lot of wine and everything in the, and then we didn't get any any points from the juries and then suddenly we had an interview with a with a israeli uh like tv station and then they like us poured shots. us like two big vodka shots and then they told like you know that you're trending like you're the most trended uh, trending name that you're gonna get so many like points from the and so we're like what <laughs> uh and then like and then suddenly they're like oh you have to go up we're like yeah you're so, soon and then it all happened yeah so we were like yeah oh, yeah we're just so happy does that therefore mean that, that the second point that i want to come into is that you were hung over when we saw that amazing video of you guys singing together and doing your song in the airport on the way home oh yes oh yes was there a, a come down post eurovision because there's so much build up to that one massive moment of course and then suddenly it's all over three minutes it's done what's it like to to try and get back to normal you know kind of get on with your life after you've done something as as monumentous as eurovision no pun intended i think we didn't uh since we were like ready to like travel have concerts and meet yeah. all the people that had voted for us in eurovision we were ready to like we didn't have that come down we were just no. like hard working the immediate point we put the steps back in Norway again yeah. we were like ready to just we kind of knew yeah. that that could happen if we didn't have any plans yeah. so so we made a lot of plans because we didn't know the outcome from Eurovision so we mm -hmm. had a lot of uh, of tours already planned and uh, we'd already planned to to start uh, writing an album mm -hmm. uh, Okta together with other indigenous artists around the world so we kind of dropped that uh, that a new piece of news in uh, during uh, your vision that hey we're gonna we're gonna travel and, and record mm -hmm. and I think that helped us like go getting over that post Eurovision depression yeah. that a lot of <laughs> other people uh, feel yeah we've been doing this ourselves all the time like we're uh, we're in, we're independent artists that have like we're on a have our own label and we can make our own plans. So we're not dependent on an uh, on a record label that uh, have a plan for the Eurovision artists that season. And then when that that Eurovision is finished, they're like thank you, very good. And now we're looking forward to the next mm. Eurovision uh, season with a new act. Mm. So I think that's uh, um, that was one of the reasons why we didn't want to sign uh, with any other other labels that approached us uh, just before Eurovision. Actually. Yeah. We started the interview by talking about obviously you guys returning to the contest in 2021, which which everyone is absolutely delighted to see you in, in Melody Grand Prix again. 
did you have Monument and go to NRK and say, we have this song, will you have us? Or did NRK come to you and say, we love you back? It was actually us. Yeah, it was like... We wanted to be yeah. there again. Because I remember I told Stig in February last year, I said, like, if we get this, like, if we find the song, like, if we have the song, we'll, we'll call you. Uh, because that we're not, we feel that we've have something left undone in the Eurovision circus. Uh, but we, as we talked about earlier, we didn't know that it would uh, would come as quickly as it did. But uh, yeah, we we like we have no uh, special treatment as uh, we had to send in the song and wait for the for the the internal jury to take make a decision yeah. if they wanted us back or not. Mm. And uh, so, and we didn't know before October, or was it or September? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And what was the reaction like in, in, was it October you said, when you realized you were going back? I mean, did it kind of bring flashbacks of the experience that you had before and excitement as to what's coming up? Hopefully, fingers crossed, if things go well on Saturday for, for the months to come. Absolutely. It was just, uh, yeah, again, happiness and excitement. And yeah, to finally be back where it all started. There was so much anticipation to see your first performance in the in the first semi-final to, to see you guys on the stage again performing Monument. There was, of course, the huge anticipation and excitement when the, the song dropped on, on YouTube, I remember, a couple of days before that. Were you pleased with the reaction you got from, from that first performance on the stage? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, we're super happy about it. Um, and like we are always our own biggest critics, so there's a lot of things that we're not, ha we weren't happy about. Uh, but like looking back on it, it's still I feel it's you can see that we're uh, we're we're happy and that we are <laughs> uh, we like to be on back on stage, and that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I think uh, people are going to be super happy uh, on Saturday. How many changes can we expect to see on Saturday? Is there is there a huge oh. amount of difference or, or just subtle secret. changes? It's, it's a secret. secret. We cannot say anything. No. We've been so good not telling anyone. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> the fans, of course, are, are always very vocal on Twitter. If they if they have any comments to say, and and they were very vocal about you guys, your first performance, most of it entirely positive. But I think. One of the things that they appreciate about you guys is you seem very receptive to feedback, say, from them. Is that something that you always do bear in mind? You know, obviously you've got your own style, but you take into account what the fans want to see. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, I think it would be unwise not to, because uh, if if it hadn't been for the audience, audience, if it hadn't been for the for the fans, we... We wouldn't have a, a, anyone to to perform for uh, life or, or to to write music for. So of course it's important for us, and all and and we are definitely appreciate that people are super excited and, and have a lot of ideas. Of we course. have received a lot of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. of <laughs> course we like we are thinking of uh, almost all the same things that all the fans are mm -hmm. mentioning. Uh, but it's and it's very cool that people actually do take time and, and write as a, a male what they think or what they works and not. But um, yeah, definitely. We're, uh, we're always open for uh, ideas. I'm just trying to get any more I can out of you about Saturday. Same, out <laughs> say, same outfits? I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and, and just finally, of course, it's it's going to be it's going to be close. It's going to be it's going to be tight. There are so many other brilliant acts in Melody Grand Prix on Saturday. So, what message have you got to the to the fans listening who would who would love to vote for you and would love to see you guys in Rotterdam? Well, we appreciate you so much, and yeah. thank you for supporting us and listening to our music and watch the show because it is going to be an an amazing show. The great acts and you can vote. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to register at nrk.no yeah, and yeah. everybody can vote. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs>
And how are you going to celebrate if you do if you do get the ticket to Rosh Hashanah? If we do More get shots? the ticket, the thing is that if we do get the ticket, there won't be any celebration because no. the the winning act have to uh, record like the the backup uh, performance for Eurovision on Monday. Yep. <laughs> because that's like because of the yeah so. Yeah, hopefully it won't be any celebration on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and will yeah. that performance be similar to the one we see on Saturday? Or is that different no as idea. well? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So there you have it. My chat with Fred, Alexandra and Tom from Kano. I think I might retire from the podcast because it's probably not going to get better than that. It's never going to get better than that. I said this at the top of the show. That is possibly my favourite ever interview that you've ever done. The three of them. They're just so much fun, aren't they? They are. I don't know about you, listeners, but I would be well up for having a uh, having a Thai curry with uh, with those three. It was nice to hear that Fred also can't deal with spicy food. I mean, I struggle with that as well, to be honest. I found out this week that that you're not a you're not a fan of a Thai. I'm not a fan of a Thai. Too floral. That's what that's all I'm going to say. Too floral. Too decadent for you. Is that what it is? Mm, it's quite a good use of the word decadent. Yeah. A little bit aromatic. Again, I don't. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just not a fan. I don't want people on my wrong side. What's your number one choice if you're going to have a takeaway? You're going to order one tonight. What are you having? Pizza, probably. <sighs> just a bit. Too that's clean. not. A, that's just not a proper answer. Pizza's not a proper takeaway. What would you go for? Would you also go for a Thai curry? Uh, I would normally probably go for an Indian. Uh, however, uh, after an incident involving me, the bathroom, and a uh, lamb sag last weekend, might give it a rest for a little while. <laughs> is this the perfect time to move on to the very end of uh, of this week's episode? I think it is. I think it's the perfect time to uh, to bring on this week's one second song while we uh, try and distract from my bowel movements. <laughs> oh, let me try and move this on very, very swiftly. Uh, yeah, we've got time for this week's one second song. Uh, it is me choosing this week. And honestly, I've forgotten what song it is because I thought it was me choosing last week. Uh, so I chose it over a week ago. So... For you, Rob, for you listening at home, and for me, for the very first time, here is this week's One Second Song. Now, before I tell you what I think that is, and before we hear from it again, we should, by the way, say good luck to everyone else in Melody Grand Prix. I don't want this to be a to be a biased Kino podcast. There's a lot of other good songs in, in Melody Grand Prix, so uh, let that be said as well. It could be Tix, it could be Ryan Alexander, who knows? Could be any one of the 12. Probably not, though. Probably, probably only a few of those have got an actual <laughs> chance but anyway yes the one second song oh, i really don't know what that is let's have it again i'd recognize that high note anywhere i was luring you into a false sense of security when i did said i didn't know what it was this is four points coming right up mr Rowe. well we'll soon see the four points on offer of course are for the song title the artist the country it represented and the year it took part in the eurovision song contest Rob, what do you think it is? We are going, Mr. Rowe, to one of my favourite Eurovision Song Contests. One of my favourite themes, one of my favourite presenting duos, one of my favourite stages. We're going to Eurovision 2006. We're going to Athens. And the song was Mihai, not going to pronounce his surname, with Tonero for Romania. There's nothing else for me to say. Four points in the bag. I'm keeping a smile on my mind every day. I'm feeling your touch on my face even while you're away. Like when we're together in that dream. rightly did very very well in 2006 i seem to remember he certainly did i've got the notes in front of me but you can have a guess at which place he finished in and how many points he got if you want to if you want to show off a little bit more i reckon he came sixth and he got 189 points 
Uh, fairly close, actually. He did better than you thought. He came fourth with 172 points. Happy with that. Very happy with that. I should say as well, I'm not going to do it on the podcast because I just did it for James off uh, off mic and he said, no, please don't do that ever again. Uh, I did the little high note off the start of the song. Um, but yeah, you don't want that to happen, no. Final chance. You can have it if you want. Please don't do it. If you do it, I will not return next week. If ever there was a, uh, if ever there was a promise that I'd like you to fulfil, it could be that one. <laughs> but very good, very pleased with that. Four more points on the one-second song. You're gonna have to come back with a harder one next time. But of course, next week it will be you taking on the challenge of guessing next week's one-second song. That's right. But before next week, we've got a few treats lined up for you. Of course, we'll be back on Monday with Melfest Monday. But before then. We've got a little bonus episode coming your way on Friday. Yeah, you know how we love to treat you with a bonus episode. You've had a a few of them from us in the past, but I think this is our best yet. Popping into your podcast feeds on Friday morning when you wake up, you will find Behind the Scenes at Eurovision. Now, we are joined by two of Eurovision's most intriguing individuals who have some brilliant stories to tell. Uh, James, do you want to tell everyone who you've been having a chat with? Absolutely. Uh, Well, I I could tell them, or I could play a little clip of him talking, and then people will go, I recognise that voice. So instead of me telling you who it is, let's have a listen to his voice. Hi, I'm Stein Smulders. I work for Screen, which is the digital agency working with the EBU on the Eurovision Song Contest. And you're listening to uh, the Eurotrip. Of course, he is the voice of Eurovision's YouTube channel. Uh, so there's plenty of fantastic stories to come from a wonderful chat I had with him last week. But Rob, as well as that, you have also this week had a very fascinating conversation with somebody else. I have. This is the man that we all want to hear from when it comes to this year's Eurovision Song Contest. I have been lucky enough to talk to the executive producer of Eurovision 2021, Sitsa Baka. Now, he is the man in the know. He has got all sorts of interesting things to say about the contest coming up in, I almost said, a few weeks' time in Rotterdam. Maybe a bit premature, but in a couple of months anyway, we'll be able to look ahead to the contest that we can look forward to seeing. And yeah, Sitsa's got some answers that I think you're all going to want to hear. So uh, Sitsa and Stein coming to you on friday but for now don't forget to subscribe leave us a review and rate us five star and don't forget you can also pop us an email as we said earlier if just to check that the inbox actually works hello at eurotrippodcast.com but for me for the second time this week it's goodbye and from me also for the second time but not the last this week it's goodbye Oh, we know that one. Do you want me to do that on the podcast? Uh, you do, honestly, you don't have to. Okay. You don't want to. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.